G'day, and thanks for listening to the Outpost podcast. I want to give you a little update on something quite significant that's happening for us at the moment. And that is that we are entering into a season of prayer and fasting from October the 1st until the 22nd, which is the start of our church camp. And I want to emphasize the prayer part of prayer and fasting. Uh, We do want to see Jesus more clearly. We want to know what he's saying and we want to be putting it into practice. And fasting is one way that we can clear away some of the distractions, some of the things that would cause us to forget who he is and what he's done and what that means for us. We are passionately about being his uh, apprentices. We want to follow Jesus. We want to follow his way and not just our own. And so entering into a season where we say no to something that we would normally focus on, and it's not a bad thing that we're saying no to, but just something that we want to uh, put aside so that we can focus more clearly on Jesus. So a couple of examples for for Christy. She started her fast on the beginning of September um, and she's been fasting from meat, from sugar, alcohol, processed carbs, coffee and some other stuff. And she'll continue that through to the camp. And and for me, being softer, I'm starting mine uh, 1st of October. And one thing I'm fasting from is Strava, uh, which for me as a keen runner can be um, an inordinate focus. And so I'm taking a break. And I just encourage you to consider how you can engage with this and what you can say no to for the purpose of saying a bigger yes to Jesus and to his way. So join with us from the 1st of October in this season of prayer and fasting. Um, You're about to hear a message from our Sunday gathering and we're focusing at the moment on Nehemiah, which does start with a fast. And we just believe that God's got a lot to say to us through this Old Testament book and Yeah, our prayer is that you would be encouraged through this and that it would lead to transformation for yourself, but also for your community. God bless you. Yeah, so if you haven't already started reading Nehemiah, please, yeah, get into it this week. And we want to, we really would love to hear from more people in the church. Like we've, um, a few of us felt as we've read this this year, like really prompted that this would be, this is something we God's really speaking and highlighting to us as a church and we want to hear from others in the church as you read it what do you feel God's speaking is anything standing out to you like the more you know we all have a role to play and you know God can speak through any one of us and so yeah if you're getting any insights or just want to chat about it please bring what you're reading and share your thoughts or your questions and it's a great thing we can discuss or chat about over dinner as well um, if you've read it, what you what you found interesting or um, what you think God might be speaking. And I guess because we're reading, uh, Shane kind of unpacked a bit of the history and kind of where Nehemiah fits in, yeah, the biblical story and all that. If you want to hear more of that, you can go back on the podcast and listen to his message. But I guess the challenge for us is trying to understand, okay, this is something that happened. This rebuilding of the wall happened a long, long time ago. What does it mean for us today? And that's really why we're wanting to pray about it. But I think essentially, you know, Nehemiah is the story of a physical wall being built. And the way we're applying that is is spiritually. So there was a visible, tangible wall that was built by the Israelites at that time. Um, and it had deep spiritual significance as well for them that that, that was happening. But for us, 
we don't have like a physical, tangible wall to build. And like Dad said, we were talking about this on Tuesday night prayer. He's like, so much easier for them. They could just, here's a wall, build a wall, tick, done it, sense of accomplishment, move on. And, you know, the things, this, when you're building something that's not visible, it's, it's, there's a challenge with that because it's like, am I doing what I'm meant to be doing? How far have I got? How far to go? It's not, we don't have the tangible visual of, oh, we're halfway there and this is where we're going. And so we're very reliant upon God's uh, wisdom and his leading to, to direct us in what we're doing. But the, set, the building project we're a part of, the kingdom building, is so much more important than just simply building a physical wall, as important as it was at that time. Uh, and so we need to be um, reminded and, and alert to you know, what our call is, what is our responsibility as believers, and to ensure that we are staying on course with what God's calling us to do and um, not getting drifting off and and doing something that he's not actually calling us to do. Um, so, yeah, that's that's part of, I guess, where we're going today. And I just want to give you a couple minutes um, to have a look at Chapter 3 for yourself. If you haven't read it, um, you'll see why I'm not reading it out from the front <laughs> as you go through and read it. But you can read all of it if you're a fast reader or just skim across it. You'll get the gist from skim reading, um, but have a little bit of, or even read half of it and you'll get the gist, but have a little read through and I'll just give you a couple minutes to do that. Chapter three. I might just stop you there. If you haven't finished reading it, feel free to continue later. Does anyone feel up for giving us a little bit of a summary about what, what they've just read? Or something that you've noticed, or what would you say this chapter is about? Yep, teamwork, building. The Techoites, nobles, whoever they were, but yeah, nicely picked up. Yeah, each person had a specific area, and it's listed in detail who did what and where and and how much some good names in there you might you know if you need needing some baby names beth <laughs> oh i've got another good one uh, good idea over the weekend basil <laughs> any other thoughts comments on that one no <laughs> any other suggestions for beth and scott Um, oh, thanks for that, guys. And yeah, exactly what what has been said. It's it's really this sense of teamwork, and it's it's kind of fascinating. I think that it, they've gone through and listed, you know, by so much specifics, you know, who did what and where, and and I think it is a helpful analogy for us to go. You know, everyone has a different part to play. In, in the work of God's kingdom. And if everyone's doing their part, the work gets accomplished quite quickly. And and um, and different people, Dad pointed this out on Tuesday, it seems some had quite large sections that they did. Maybe there was larger families, I don't know, but large sections or maybe the more skilled in that area did more and some did less. But it seemed like the smallest was when 
was maybe just the, the width of the their own house that the wall was right in front of. And, um, you know, I personally can feel very overwhelmed when I think about, you know, when I read about in Scripture about what the church is supposed to be, what the church, the people of God, the children of God are called to be and do. And then I look at the current, present reality um, of of what's happening in the earth and think, wow, we're so far from where we're supposed to be. But it can be quite overwhelming when you when you look at the big picture and think, whoa, like how are we can ever get from here to there? And it's just overwhelming. And, you know, I think it causes us, or I know it does for me, to feel discouraged or overwhelmed and think it's too hard, we can't do it, and kind of just to give up. And, you know, as we read through Nehemiah, you see that's kind of the exact tactic that the enemy does use against the people of God is to create a sense of discouragement and overwhelm and mockery of like, who do you think you are? As if you think you can change the world, as if you think you can do this thing, you can't accomplish this. Like, who are you? You're nothing. That's the sort of things that the enemy's saying. And when we read that story as an outsider, you go, they're not nothing. They're the people of God. They can build this wall. Like God is with them. And it's so obvious. But, you know, when it's us in our situations, we can forget that that's also true. That, you know, of course we can do if whatever, you know, what's impossible for man is possible with God. And, you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, you know, it's his strength. It's his vision. It's his plan that, you know, he's God. If he wants something to happen, it will come to fruition and if we're a part of it how amazing we get to be a part of it and to expect him to fulfill what he's going to do in the earth and um but yeah the challenge in in our minds and hearts to believe God what he said and what he wants to do and and to step into our part in that and to you know to step back from looking at the big picture and how much there is to do um, because that can be overwhelming for us but to remember it's not actually our responsibility to change the world, the whole world, to to solve every problem and to do everything, you know, to remember God's the master builder. He's the master architect. We don't even need to know, like, you know, he does share so much with us about what he intends to do, but we don't have to know all the details of how exactly that's going to happen and how is that possible and, you know, what what are the steps that are going to happen between here and there. You know, our responsibility is to go, what is God calling me to do and to take responsibility for our own lives? You know, if each one of us just took responsibility for our own lives and focused our energies on being an available person to God, it's the teamwork thing. Like if each one of us did that, that suddenly starts to have a huge impact as one by one each of us offers our lives to God as a as a living sacrifice as it says in Romans and when you think about that language like to be a living sacrifice like that's pretty full-on that's pretty intense to think we give ourselves to God just like an animal is killed and put on an altar as an offering like it's pretty graphic and it's pretty complete it's not like uh you just put a little bit of an offering on the altar for God here's oh here's my 10% of my life or 10% of my money it's like your life is the offering your life is what is required um to give back to him and and not in a way of it's not a pain a cost to God but it's 
in response to the fact that he's given his life for us. He's given us everything, and it's the appropriate response given that our lives are worth less than his. Like, he paid his life for us, so, you know, it's obvious that we would give our small little life back to him as a thank, as thanks to him for what he's done for us. Um, and what a privilege to do that. Um, but, yeah, I know for myself it's easy to get focused on oh, these people over here aren't doing the right thing, or if only this people and that people did this, and if only the government did that, and, you know, then we would get somewhere. And all of that can be a distraction from what we actually have power over, what we actually can do something about is our own lives. And actually that's all that God is requiring of us, is our lives. Or, you know, if you're a parent, your family, where you actually have responsibility, where you actually have influence and in in an element of control, are you, you know, seeking God for, okay, what do I do with that? How do I bring your light and your presence there? How do I, um, you know, become more like you, Jesus? And, and our, our minds and our hearts are fixed on him and learning to, to emulate him, like, um, yeah, to imitate him because we are his disciples. We want to be more like him. Um, And we are able to do that because when we're seeking to do what he wants, he empowers us to do that. So it's never overly burdensome. He's never left us on our own to figure it out. He's with us. He's strengthening us. He's giving us what we need to do that. Uh, And I want to look at another passage quickly. Um, One in... 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm reading it in the Passion Translation, if you have that option in your online Bible. You might want to turn to that. So 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll start from... This is... I, I actually preached on this passage, using this passage earlier in the year, and it's just interesting that's I feel like when I'm up, pre- I'm pretty much saying the same thing every time. I don't know if it feels like that for you, but uh, it's it does repetitive themes, which hopefully is appropriate. <laughs> We're staying on the same message, really, essentially. Um, but this is beautiful, and you'll see why it fits in so perfectly when we're talking about building God's kingdom. So, one Peter chapter two, growing in holiness. So, abandon every form of evil deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy, and slander. In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of Yahweh and have experienced his kindness. I love that because this is the essence of it. Like what he's looking for from us, what we, we need in the church is maturity, growth, to see things not stagnate, to see our own lives develop and mature and become more and more like Christ. And as a community for us to be matured and, and reflect Christ more effectively. And how do we become more mature? We put aside, we reject evil, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and we crave the things of God. We, we hunger for his word like a baby hungers for milk. And if that's not 
where you're at. If you don't like crave God's word like milk, like a baby, which I don't know. I wonder if any of us are quite like babies can be pretty intense when they're hungry. Like how much are we hungry? And, um, you know, we're responsible for how hungry we are. God can't make us hungry for him. That's something we actually are responsible for. And and this is part of the time of prayer and fasting. It's like we're so cluttered and so full of other things that we don't recognize our hunger for God or we feed it with other things. And I know I've used this before, but my niece, I love um, years ago when she was little, getting up out of bed for, you know, the 10th time with different varying excuses as they do. And this one time she came up, you're like, what's the excuse going to be this time? And she was like, mom, I want something. I want something. It's like, what do you want? I don't know, something. And (laughs) I just thought, isn't that just like the cry of every human heart? It's like, I want something. (laughs) And, you know, when we feel this need and this desire for something and I know like easy to just I feel that and then I just distract myself and look on my phone or oh I go to the fridge and find something to eat oh put on the news oh you know I'll call someone I'll talk you know there's things we do to fill that cry that hunger there's things we do to fill that to silence it and it gets crowded out that that voice and we need to make room for it. If we want to hear God, if we want to grow, we need to make room and space to hear that. And sometimes we have to create hunger by saying no to some things that we would normally do just to go to yeah, cut out some of that noise so we can hear God, so that we can allow our true hunger be heard and be met the way it's supposed to be met. Um, but that will never change if we don't decide to, to make a change to make that space. Like... That's on us to allow ourselves to hunger for him. Um, So, verse 4. So keep coming to him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight, come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. For it says in scripture, look, I lay a cornerstone in Zion, a chosen and priceless stone. And whoever believes in him will certainly not be disappointed. As believers, you know his great worth. Indeed, his preciousness is imparted to you. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected and discarded has now become the cornerstone and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock to trip over. Uh, how beautiful that, you know, what, Jesus, what God's calling us to do is to be a living stone. And I love that, this picture, because it's like, as a stone, just like a living sacrifice, like you're not really in control of what happens next. It's like you're trusting someone to do something with that like we we bring ourselves as a here I am here's my life I'm a brick for you to put in place and to assemble and and he'll do that with all of us and you know as a local expression of his kingdom here like I'm excited my desire is to see us become this beautiful 
picture, this beautiful example of that, of these stones that are interlocked together, um, showing a piece of his kingdom, an outpost of heaven to the world around us. Um, and how amazing, like he's asking us, what he's asking us to do and to be is what he's already done. He's a cornerstone. He's like a part of that. He's shown us what to do. He's led the way. He laid down his life. He sacrificed for us. He served others. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He went around doing good and loving the Father and loving people. And it's all those things that we are called to do. And so we're not, oh, what do I do? What do I do next? What, oh. You know, I remember having a big moment, an aha moment in my life when I realized that I'd kind of been living my life like I was my own project. And, you know, each thing, okay, what do I need to do next? What do I need to work on next? And, you know, what Bible study do I need to do? What's the next step in the journey to, like, kind of improve myself? And and that's not a terrible thing to think, but it sort of hit me when uh, reading the scripture that says, you know, um, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Like, I'm his workmanship. I'm not my workmanship. Like, it's not my job to work on me and my life. Um, and this, I know it sort of can feel a bit confusing on one hand. We're responsible. There's things we have to do. But also this sense of knowing what we're called to do, we actually can't do. We need him to, to do it. We need his strength. We need his life. We need his presence. And so what we can do is offer ourselves. We can make space in our life. We can ask, seek, knock. But in terms of becoming what we need to become, we can't do that. That's his work in us. Um, and so it really is simple what we're called to do. But like I said, there's so many distractions that like to pull us off the course of the simplicity of this. But it's, you know, abide in the vine. And John 15 says, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Like the fruit comes through our life connected to God. A life of fruitfulness, a life of good deeds, a life of looking like Jesus, of being a blessing. That only comes through connection with him. It doesn't come from working out a plan, a five-year plan. Here's how I'm going to get to there. This is what I'm going to do to work on myself. It comes from connection with him. It comes from relationship with him. It comes from craving him, knowing him, feeding on his word and getting connected with him. We can't become what we need to become, but we can draw near to him and he will draw near to us and he will show us the way and he will build us up together. But no one else can make that choice. For, we can't make that choice for our neighbor. We can't make that choice for anyone but ourselves. And so the call that I want to put out is for that sense of personal responsibility to take our eyes off all the other things or the problems or the, and to go, okay, what can I actually change? What can I offer? I'm going to bring that to God and I'm, and my world and my life and my influence and present it to him as a living sacrifice and ask him to set it on fire for him and to, to bring glory to his name. And how stunning, you know, how stunning that is when one life is doing that. But how spectacular when a group of people together are living in that space of, of life for him. Um, and what that looks like. You know, a city on a hill can't be hidden. 
night, all these burning lights for Jesus um, as each one of us give him what we have. So that's the message and the challenge for us today. Um, I really, this one, Peter, I just, such a good book. I encourage another good one to read. I just want to finish with, um, and then I'll pray with reading out a little bit more from 1 Peter chapter 1. Just reminding us of, it's from verse 13 in chapter 1. It says, a call to holiness. And you see how holiness is so integral to this. It's like how we live matters and and our lives need to be reflecting his. So then, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says, you are to be holy because I am holy. Since you call on him as your heavenly father, the impartial judge who judges according to each one's works, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. This was part of God's plan, for he was chosen and destined for this before the foundation of the earth was laid. But he has been made manifest in these last days for you. It is through him that you now believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that you would fasten your faith and hope in God alone. Amen. Father, we thank you that you came and you gave your life for us. That anything you've called us to do, you've done first. That your life and your way of doing life is so beautiful and so glorious, so wonderful. Lord, we want to know more of it. We want to step into more of what that beautiful life is, the abundant life of Jesus a life of purpose and serving you, serving others. Lord, help each one of us to be aware of where we are distracted or where we're feeding on things that are, that are pulling us away from you, that are stopping us from being aware of our hunger and need for you. Lord, may each one of us cultivate that hunger like a baby longing for milk that we would just crave you in such a pure um, and powerful way and that we would be filled with you, that we would reflect you, that we would be a part of seeing your dreams come to pass in the earth, a beautiful dwelling place for your presence amongst us, a pure and spotless bride, as scriptures say. Lord, thank you that it is a work of your spirit in us. Nothing we can accomplish, but we give ourselves to you. 
to see your will be done in us and in the earth. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.